Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wall on us. Painting and taking on all the plate to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If you're listening to this podcast, you know who Edward Snowden is, uh, the former NSA contractor who blew the whistle on NSA surveillance programs has, well, I'd say he's been in the news a, a fair bit over the past three and a half years. Uh, you also probably know that he's currently living in Russia, though not by his own choice. There's some confusion over this, but the short version is that Snowden flew to Hong Kong, where he shared the documents uh, with a few reporters and then attempted to go to Ecuador, I believe, which had offered him asylum. Now, he took a flight from Hong Kong to Moscow and on his way, uh, the U.S. pulled his passport and he's basically been stuck in Russia ever since. Now, the U.S. has wanted to bring him back home to face charges under the Espionage Act, which is a century-old law. Uh, we could go down a huge rabbit hole on the many, many problems of the Espionage Act uh, and the fact that the Obama administration has used that act against more whistleblowers than all other presidents combined, but we don't have all day. So let's just make one key point. Under the Espionage Act, the accused is not allowed to explain why they did what they did or present a public interest defense. In other words, Ed Snowden could not say that he shared these documents in order to blow the whistle on unconstitutional surveillance programs, which has been his argument all along. Snowden has repeatedly said that he would come back to the U.S. if he could get a fair trial, which would be one where he would be allowed to present such a defense. But without that possibility, there's really no reason for him to come back. And we've seen how other whistleblowers and people who have leaked documents have been treated in the past, and there's no reason to expect that treatment would be any different for, for Snowden. Uh, recently, there was an Oliver Stone film called Snowden, which was released in telling a somewhat fictionalized version of his story. And with that, the publicity around that and uh, the end of the Obama administration approaching, a number of groups, including the ACLU, Amnesty International, and Human Rights Watch, uh, have teamed up to make a big push to get President Obama to issue a pardon for Snowden and allow him to come back to the U.S. as a free man. Uh, we have two guests today on the podcast who are deeply involved in, with this campaign. Uh, first up is Trevor Tim, who founded and runs the Freedom of the Press Foundation, which does a lot of really great work, uh, as you probably guessed, making sure that freedom of the press is protected. Um, and since being stuck in Russia, Snowden has actually been working with the Freedom of the Press Foundation on an a variety of projects and is on the board of the organization. Uh, we also have Parker Higgins, who you may recognize has been on the podcast before talking about copyright. Uh, Parker is currently on leave from the EFF uh, to help with campaign strategy on the Pardon Snowden campaign. So uh, welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for, hey, having, thanks me, for having us. First sure. time caller, long time listener. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, so let's let's start with the the big picture on the campaign. Um, you guys want to explain sort of what it's about, what you're trying to do, etc. Who wants to take that first? 
Sure, I can. So um, you did you did a great introduction. Uh, so I, I think this will be quick. But um, the idea is that right now is sort of the moment where uh, there's the strongest public push. I think the the movie is bringing Ed's story to a lot of people who either haven't thought of it at all or have only thought about it in terms of what the newspaper said in the last couple of years. Um, and it's really uh, it's really driving home the message that this is a this is a, a real human being who who uh, risked a lot and put a lot on the line to inform the discussion and to bring about meaningful changes in our uh, surveillance policy and our security and uh, and for that we think he deserves a pardon and, and we're we're pushing on that now. Yeah, I also think that it. it kind of brings to the forefront to the public's mind yet again just how much has changed since Edward Snowden came forward three years ago. I think that's often lost in uh, the day-to-day news about Edward Snowden. But, you know, when you think about it, it's rather extraordinary. The the sea change in public opinion that has happened about online privacy uh, since he came forward, you know, the fact that a federal appeals court ruled the NSA's mass surveillance program uh, unconstitutional, or, or sorry, illegal, um, and that really forced Congress to pass the first intelligence reform uh, since the 1970s. Uh, you know, this has all happened in the last three years and all because of Snowden. And then when you look at the tech companies, what they have done, where there are now literally billions of people who uh, are using uh, end-to-end encryption because companies like Apple and WhatsApp have implemented it uh, by default into their uh, messaging apps. Um, This is a huge change and allows people to protect themselves from all sorts of mass surveillance programs, whether it's run by the U.S. government or uh, other governments around the world. Yeah, so, um, and and I think that's, you know, I I think that's a big part of it. And I think that um, it's hard for anyone to say that, that, you know, what Snowden did hasn't created change, um, but that, you know, that there's still, I guess, a, a leap from there for some people to saying that he should then be pardoned. So I guess what's what's the key argument here? I, th- I think the point that you made to start out really is is the biggest one that Ed has said, you know, he's not seeking to avoid consequences here. And, and he has, of course, lived in exile for, for years for this decision. Um, but there's no option on the table under the law that he's charged with uh, for a fair trial, for a trial where he's allowed to present this defense. And um, this is, it seems, uh, it seems maybe, I think people hear this and they, they almost don't believe it, that, that the law is structured in, in such a way that there can be no fair trial. Uh, but if you look at the history, you look at um, Daniel Ellsberg after uh, releasing the Pentagon Papers, he did try to present uh, a defense of why he did it, and it was objected to, and that objection was subsa- sustained. And it really is the case that you cannot get a fair trial um, for whistleblowing to the press um, in in if you've been charged under the Espionage Act. And so, uh, in the absence of that, uh, I think a pardon is is one of the one of the few options, one of the rare cases um, where. You really can set up a like we're not necessarily seeking to establish a precedent. We're not trying to uh, to to make a blanket statement. But in this one case, uh, Obama should recognize that the 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 public uh, service that Ed did uh, doesn't deserve to be punished or to have uh, you know really extreme laws hanging over it for for years. 
and in, in terms of you know the the charges um and the situation that he's facing if he were to come back today and and without having you know a public interest defense or anything of that nature you know what kind of punishment is he actually facing under the law today and under the charges that that are there well right now he's charged um there's three felonies he's charged with the government could potentially uh, add many, many more charges uh, to his charge sheet. And so he would be facing uh, decades or literally life in prison for what he did. Uh, and again, this is something that a lot of people think was sorely needed in this country. The government was operating all of these secret surveillance programs without the public's knowledge. And the massive amount of change that has happened, the jury just wouldn't hear about it. And um, regardless of um, your opinions on Snowden, I think a lot of people can understand that it's inherently unfair for him to not be able to, for example, tell the jury uh, his motive for why he did what he did, um, that he wanted to inform the American public about what the government was doing behind closed doors under their name without their knowledge. And he, you know, his, his hands would be tied to the extent where the government merely has to prove that he uh, handed information uh, that is considered classified or national defense information to people who are unauthorized to receive it. And he's freely admitted that he has done that. Um, that was uh, the crux of what he did was to get this information to journalists uh, who didn't have security clearances so they could tell the public. And, uh, you know, once the, the prosecution proves that, it's really just a matter of uh, how many years he gets in prison. And, uh, you know, given the draconian nature of the Espionage Act, um, there's no telling when he could get out. It could be when he's 60, 70 years old or never. Right. And, and right, I mean, obviously, from its name, it's pretty easy to figure out the, the sort of purpose and intent of the Espionage Act is, you know, to deal with people who are taking secrets and then giving them to, to foreign governments, right? So it's, you know, generally considered to be for nefarious purposes, handing handing top secret classified information over to, um, you know, our enemies or something like that. Whereas that's very, very different, obviously, than trying to expose programs to the public that um, you know, that someone believes are or should be considered unconstitutional and or illegal, which was sort of Snowden's position, right? Right. It, it creates this really um, perverse effect of saying that if, if the Espionage Act is normally used to address people releasing information to our enemies, and in this case, this was information that was released to the American public, <laughs> uh, it, it strikes you as, as do we think that the American public and transparency is the enemy of these organizations? And if, if that's the case, then uh, it does merit some really, or some really uh, intense scrutiny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that raises a whole bunch of questions. Um, and yeah, I mean, I it almost it raises questions about the Espionage Act itself in general, not, not just how it's being used today, but um, and, and whether or not the Espionage Act itself is constitutional. But that right, be... I mean, that's a good point that I don't think many people uh, ever bring up it is the fact that this law has never really uh, been ruled on. Uh, by the Supreme Court, at least in this context, mm -hmm. and mostly because there, it was so rare that the government ever used this. I mean, the first time, even though it was written in World War One, 
um, and was used against war resistors and, and protesters back then. Uh, it wasn't used against uh, leakers to the press until Daniel Ellsberg in the early 1970s. And his case was thrown out because of government misconduct. The fact that you know they broke into his psychiatrist's office, the fact that they uh, were illegally wiretapping him for years, and that the Nixon administration uh, offered the judge the directorship of the FBI. I mean, it was like almost comical <laughs> levels of uh, government corruption uh, going on, trying to throw Ellsberg in jail. And so his case got thrown out, and there was really not another case until a decade or two later. And it hasn't been until uh, the last six or eight years uh, to where this act has been used repeatedly against leakers. And, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's a... Um, it's a law that not a lot of lawyers have experience with and to appeal these cases uh, it may cost uh, the person who's been charged hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars and it's often easier for them to uh, plea bargain with the government uh, take a, a jail sentence of a few years um, and not risk going to jail for decades so we really haven't seen anybody tr uh, uh, challenge this law um, all the way to the Supreme Court. Right now, Chelsea Manning, actually, uh, the WikiLeaks whistleblower who mm -hmm. gave State Department and uh, Defense Department documents to WikiLeaks in 2010, is appealing her conviction and is arguing um, in an appeals court for the first time in decades that actually this law is unconstitutional and um, she shouldn't be facing 35 years in jail. But her, her case is a perfect example of why Edward Snowden doesn't want or, or um, shouldn't be forced to go to trial. You know, Chelsea Manning, in her trial, the government admitted that no uh, person was harmed because of the leaks um, that she disclosed, yet she still got 35 years in prison. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that, that is one example of, of, of many, but that's that's definitely a chilling one and, and one that is pretty clear. And I know sort of related to this as, as we're discussing this point, you know, I know a lot of people point out like, well, or, or ask the question of, you know, why didn't um, Snowden, you know, use the, as they say, proper channels for whistleblowing um, instead of going to the going to the press. And so, um, you know, we've written a lot about this, but if you guys want to give a quick description of of you know why um it made sense for for snowden to go to the press instead of you know just sort of going up the chain of command sure so i you know i think there's a there's two reasons um number one which is the reason that that most people point to immediately is the fact that that edward snowden was a contractor and uh, <laughs> contractors in the intelligence agency do not have whistleblower protections like normal government employees do. So if Edward Snowden went to his superiors with this information, um, he could have been retaliated against, he could have been fired, he could have been put under a, a cloud of suspicion, um, and uh, potentially had his security clearances revoked, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, this, this argument is, is even though uh, you know, President Obama and Hillary Clinton and a lot of other um, a lot of other politicians have falsely claimed that he could have done that. Um, the, the argument um, either way is kind of a red herring because 
this wasn't a rogue NSA agent that Edward Snowden was blowing the whistle on, or <laughs> right. a program that only you know five people knew about, um, and that that superiors weren't aware of. This was a program, the mass surveillance program, uh, where the NSA was collecting literally every phone call record in the United States. You know who you call, uh, who calls you, uh, for how long, um, and at what time of day, uh, this program was authorized at the highest levels of government. You know, the executive branch was the one that that authorized it. The FISA court knew about it and members of the, the House Intelligence Agency and Senate Intelligence uh, Committee knew about it. And so Edward Snowden would be essentially going to the people who are running this program and telling them that what they are doing is are illegal. And of course, um, if they didn't laugh him out of the room, uh, they would have uh, attempted to uh, muzzle him even more. And you know, the the only people that didn't know uh, that this program was running was the American people. And so those were the people that Edward Snowden had to tell. And so naturally, uh, his only option was to go to the press. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I, I look at you know, you talked about the example of, of Chelsea Manning for that. That you know, the example I look at in, in for this kind of situation was what happened to Thomas Drake, um, who, if I remember the story correctly, was an NSA employee who basically did go through the proper channels to try and blow the whistle on on what he saw as sort of uh, waste, fraud, and abuse within the NSA, and spoke to you know some people in congress and and some other stuff and then basically because of the whistleblowing i think there was sort of a convoluted thing they um sort of put a target on his back and when some you know sort of uh inconsequential information was was leaked to the press at some point um they raided his house and you know searching to find out if he was the leaker which i don't believe he was but in his house they happened to find like one document that was um i think incorrectly classified and because of that charged him and you know he was facing like 35 years in jail um and i think that may have been an espionage act case as well uh, I don't remember exactly, actually. Yeah, I mean, Thomas Drake is, is the, the quintessential example of somebody who went through the proper channels, quote-unquote, and uh, still had his life destroyed. But, he, you know, he wasn't the only one. There were a handful yeah. of whistleblowers um, in the NSA uh, in the George Bush years who um, never went to the press at all um, and only went through internal uh, channels like uh, William Binney, for example, who was mm -hmm. uh, a high-level NSA executive and had worked there for 40 years. Um, you know, he never went to the press, and uh, he only went through internal channels. And he had his house raided. Uh, he was, you know, agents came into his house, guns drawn, uh, while he was naked in the shower, and uh, you know, searched his house, made his life a living hell, basically. Um, made it so that he could no longer uh, work in the intelligence field. Um, and this happened to, you know, three or four or five other people around the same time, all of which were trying to blow the whistle on illegal NSA surveillance and wiretapping. And so Snowden knew about these cases, and, you know, a lot of people did in the NSA. And so, um, you know, thankfully he learned from them. And he didn't... Um, just try to do this internally. He decided to go to the public, and uh, you know I think history has vindicated his decision. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean I think it's interesting too, where it's like if uh, 
you know, if the NSA thinks that they're scaring off whistleblowing by, you know, going after these guys um, in such a you know disproportionate manner, like it's, it may have created the other, the opposite impact of, you know, pushing people to reveal things more broadly rather than, than using the proper channel. So it seems like, you know, sort of, uh, uh, you know, blowback that, that, that the intelligence community probably got for their their own actions, I guess the the Justice Department in terms of prosecuting these kinds of things. Um, so, so getting back to the the campaign here to to pardon Snowden, I guess you know what is um, well, what's the the process? I mean, is it just something as simple as convincing the president to to sign a piece of paper that says pardon Snowden, or or what else is involved? Um, so, there, yes, there's a degree to which this uh, campaign really has an audience of one. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, the Constitution grants the president really broad and, and basically almost unchecked pardon power. Uh, and it's in that way, it's, it's a pretty unique um, power as far as uh, the Constitution goes. So... All that needs to happen is, is Barack Obama needs to, to wake up and... and and you know, feel his conscience one morning and and sign that paper. Um, that said, uh, it's <laughs> uh, it's it's definitely going to be it's going to take a lot of convincing for him to do that. And so, <laughs> right. um, one of the ways that we're trying to do that is to make sure that he's got uh, the political cover of, of widespread grassroots support. And there's a lot of support out there for for Ed um, and for the actions that Ed took. Uh, and I think that's going to only increase as more people see the movie and more people learn about uh, his motivations. Um, so that's one thing is that we're trying to get that sort of support. And then the other thing is is uh, is the prominent support of of you know to, to use a, maybe a cliche term, but but thought leaders, the, the sorts of people that uh, that can be trusted to. Uh, research and study up on an issue and come to a conclusion that that uh, people respect and you know so Noam Chomsky is one of the one of the people supporting this campaign and you know if if Noam Chomsky looks at the facts and says you know I think uh, Ed Snowden deserves a pardon here that uh, should hopefully go a long way towards uh, convincing the people who need to be convinced and in this case it's the president and his closest advisors uh, that's what needs to happen. Yeah, and there's another aspect here um, with this public push, um, which you, I don't think you see very often in many cases. You know, often it's lawyers making the case for pardon or clemency uh, privately to the Justice Department. Um, but you know, I, I, a lot of critics have said, "Well, there's a low chance of of Obama actually pardoning Snowden, or there's no chance." And certainly, when we know the odds are long uh, in this case, but you know, I think there's two things here to think about. Number one is that President Obama is looking towards his legacy now. He only has a few more months in office. And I think one of the biggest stains on that on that legacy is his civil liberties record. Um, the fact that, uh, you know, he was once a prominent civil libertarian and was leading the charge against NSA surveillance and uh, advocating for whistleblowers. Um, yet his administration has kind of turned around and become, uh, you know, the, the most hostile administration and history um, towards leakers to the press. Um, and so this is a way for him to uh, kind of burnish his legacy uh, for the long term 
uh, if he's thinking about that. But the other thing is that, that um, the president has made clear many times over the years um, that uh, you know, he understands how communi community organizing and activism works. And he has called on people uh, to push him in the right direction, even if uh, he has uh, not been going in that direction before. And so you know, I think the more and more uh, attention this campaign gets and the more and more people sign on to it, um, it can have an effect uh, in a way um, that maybe it wouldn't if there was another person in office. Interesting. I, I hadn't even thought about that, but I, I think both those points are definitely make a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, put it put it into some perspective. So, so in terms of sort of where the campaign is and kind of what's happening with it today, what's what's the status on it? Well, so uh, we launched, uh, I guess. On the 14th, I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, but so a couple of weeks ago, and we've been really uh, just overwhelmed with the positive uh, reaction, especially by the press. And that's in large part, you know, the, the, the journalists at large are a group that, for the most part, understand the importance of what Snowden did and, and the way, the careful and methodical way in which he did it. Um, and so there have been a few uh, a few hiccups, but largely it's just been uh, an overwhelming amount of of support, either directly for the campaign or for Ed or for a pardon in particular. Um, and so a lot of what we've been doing is uh, is corralling that, making sure that that those contributions to the conversation, you know, articles by uh, by Margaret Sullivan and folks of that caliber uh, really get widely seen. Um, and then uh, we've got something like uh, four or five months to, to really make the case. And so we're going to try to fire on all cylinders with, uh, with the different aspects, whether it's, it's the legal changes that have taken place or the, the um, technical improvements to all of our security that have, that have happened. Um, and really, uh, in large part, uh, humanizing Ed making sure that people realize that this is a, this is a human being who uh, really undertook great personal risk to do this. And that's, uh, that's our challenge over the next couple of months. And um, I guess, well, for people who are listening to this, um, is there, are there things that they could do if they want to support the campaign? Well, so yes, uh, the, the most straightforward thing you can do are the campaigns at pardonsnowden.org. I should have said that a long time ago, pardonsnowden.org. Um, and the most straightforward thing you can do is we've got on that page a place where you can uh, you can sign a letter to the president. We'll send it. Um, and we are trying to make sure that that number is as, as big and impressive as possible. I mean, that that's uh, to, to speak to Trevor's point about uh, about grassroots and community organizing. We need that support. Um, and then also uh, spreading the message. Uh, there's a lot of. It's uh, as we're speaking now, it's it's uh, we're in the week after the first debate. There's a lot of political energy that's been dedicated to uh, the 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 presidential campaign, which makes sense. But we need to make sure that there's a reserve of energy for people saying, hey, this presidency isn't over. Um, and there are still things that we need to get right before o Obama leaves office. Uh, and so in the next month and especially in November and December, uh, just uh, sharing this with your friends and, and um, we're figuring out more ways that people can be doing that. But uh, 
but supporting the campaign in that way is is what we think is is really important is is there um i mean is there a time limit on this other than like can he sign it right up to the last minute he's in office or or are there other dates to be aware of uh, again, the the pardon power is pretty much unchecked, and and he's he can do it uh, as long as he wants. Um, there have been there's a sort of uh, notorious record of of uh, last minute pardons um, mm-hmm. in in presidential history, uh, and some are more dubious than others. <laughs> uh, it's yes, it's a time when you know people talk about how uh, I I don't think that you. People talk about how uh, this president in particular has gotten to a stage where he uh, is not as concerned with his critics anymore, Mm -hmm. um, to put it politely. Uh, (laughs) That's a very diplomatic way of putting it. Yes. Yeah. uh, And I, you know, I think that he's what we know about Obama is he's very thoughtful. I don't think that he's uh, he's taken to ignoring his critics, but he is following his conscience. Um, And he said that uh, he said previously that he's not. he's not going to engage in the, in the sort of uh, like uh, the worst kind of, of last minute presidential pardons where it's personal favors and things like that. But I think that it's, it's reasonable to expect that he'll, he will be considering his legacy and he will be considering the promise that he made to be the most transparent administration in history, which is really, uh, which has become, you know, it it would be laughable if it wasn't so sad. Uh, And that's, uh, that's something that I think he'll he'll be considering up until the very last day in office, and it's not without um, political cost. Uh, I, I understand that there are people who don't want to see Ed pardoned and who will feel like uh, like Obama's making a mistake to do that. But I think that if he if he looks into his 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 conscience and looks into really the the great things that have happened as a result, uh, it's kind of the only the only reasonable path forward, and so that that may happen as as late as the last day and so we're going to keep pushing until basically until the next president is uh in the oval office yeah i mean it's interesting i'm just sort of thinking about this and and trying to think of like you know are are there are there ways to effectively make that point i mean are are you just kind of do you just sort of keep hitting on that on that legacy question and and highlighting like you know the president's you know earlier statements whether it's most transparent administration in history or or a lot of the the civil liberty stuff that he said before he became president um you know how how do you how do you reinforce that message in a way that actually gets through and and i don't know what the answer is i mean you know obviously i agree with with you guys i agree with the campaign i support it wholeheartedly um so you know so i'm certainly biased in, in favor of it. So it sounds like a good argument to me. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out like, you know, is there, is there something that can be done that, that really gets it through to the president that, you know, why this, why this makes sense beyond just kind of like, um, you know, Hey, remember what you used to say? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I think the answer is, is all of the above really. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot of people from a lot of different walks of life who have signed onto this campaign. So I think going forward, what you're going to see from us in the next few months is kind of grouping together a lot of these people. So there's a lot of people um, from the entertainment industry, for example, who are very interested in civil liberties and want to see Edward Snowden pardons. But there's also a lot of people from the tech community. 
um, you know, hundreds and hundreds of engineers within the tech companies who thought, who didn't know that this was going on and that the, the NSA was essentially trying to break the security within these companies um, who really feel that Edward Snowden did a public service and as a result have made tech companies a lot stronger on the security and privacy front. Um, so there is a lot of work to be done um, corralling these types of people and really um, kind of broadcasting uh, their show of support. You know, then there's former government, government officials, people who have worked within the um, intelligence agencies, former whistleblowers, um, who can also make a strong statement. Uh, a lot of writers uh, and journalists in this country uh, also, um, whether they're public about it or not, uh, support a pardon. And so, uh, you know, I think we're, we're going to see a wave of, of uh, different groups of people over the next few months kind of come forward uh, and make the case um, for their um, particular uh, industries or groups. And, um, you know, taken together, hopefully that can have a powerful effect. Yeah. And, um, and, and not to... Um... To, to be a downer, but I guess what what happens if the campaign fails? What or do you have a a, a sort of you know plan B? So this is the <laughs> we're the pardon Snowden campaign, and so our, our <laughs> we have one plan, and that's to get him pardoned. Um, <laughs> Uh, there are a lot of uh, smart people that are working um, with and around Ed and and uh, thinking about what comes next for him in any case, but. Uh, I think one of the most important uh, things that, that keeps me motivated on this, even as we acknowledge that the odds are, uh, are long, you know, o Obama hasn't been friendly to Ed and, and you know, we're, we're asking for a, a pretty significant gesture here, um, is that the sorts of efforts that we're making to try to corral support and to try to corral conscience-driven support of people who are really weighing the facts and, and throwing their support behind this cause and this person, uh, the, there are a lot of positive outcomes that can be the result of that, even if they're not um, a presidential pardon. And so, uh, so it's, it's motivation for, for me as someone who's working on this campaign to, to go all out. Um, and I don't know exactly what the, what the best plan B is should our, our pardon campaign not work. But I think almost any plan B is going to be helped by having uh, some of the uh, most influential people in the world and tens or hundreds of thousands of, uh, of grassroots individuals supporting the cause. Yeah, I mean, it, it strikes me as it, it's really interesting. I mean, you sort of mentioned it earlier in the talk. Um, about the fact that, you know, historically sort of pardon campaigns tend to be like calling in favors and, and having lawyers go up and, and or friends go up and, and lobby on behalf of, of individuals. Um, but this is a, a sort of very, very you know, public um, grassroots style community organizing campaign um, that I think is, is different and I think is, is a really interesting way of going about it and obviously as I, I said earlier one that one that i support um so I, we're sort of coming to the end here you guys have any sort of uh, you know i always ask for kind of the last word messages that, that people have on the podcast to try to leave people with so uh do you guys have any anything that you want on our listeners to think about in particular well i think i i will throw in one last shameless plug 
for our <laughs> website. Um, I, I would definitely encourage everyone to go to pardonsnowden.org. Um, you can sign the petition there. Um, you can donate if you'd like, uh, and you can share it with uh, folks on, on social media um, and share it privately with people who you might think uh, agree with it. And, um, you know, the more we can amplify the message, the better. And we'll see where we are in a couple of months. Right. And beyond that, um, because I, that is the, the most important thing, pardonsnowden.org. Um, but also we are in uh, the places that you'd expect us to be on social media. We've got a, a Twitter account at Pardon Snowden and we're on Facebook. Um, and that's where we're going to be posting more about the campaign as it develops. And the nature of this, you know, as you say, it's it's uncharted territory a little bit for pardon campaigns because it's not a, a private negotiation. It's not a, a, a backroom sort of thing. This is all happening in public. And so it's going to be developing. And so uh, not just as a show of support, but for more information about what we need uh, supporters to do, um, it's, it's important in this case that, that we build up a, a follower base on those social sites. So if you could find it in your heart to, to follow those, that'd be great. All right. I think that's that's great. And, um, you know, as I expect, most of the people listening to this probably generally agree with this position. Um, if you don't, if you if you're not comfortable with the idea of pardoning Snowden, I, I would still suggest uh, doing uh, some reading up on these things uh, and learning about the details here, because I think the more that you learn, the more you recognize um, why uh, what he did was, was so important and such a good thing for, for the country and and for the world. Um, and for those of you who, which I expect is most of you who, who do agree with this, I, I definitely encourage you to, to follow the campaign however you can, to sign on to the petition, and, and certainly, as Parker said, um, you know, follow them on, on social media and, and keep up with, with what's going on. Because I, I do think, um, you know, I hope that the campaign succeeds. I am one of the people who has admitted publicly that I, I think it is a long shot, um, but I, I hope that I'm wrong. Um, I've been wrong before, and, and I'm hopeful that this is one of those cases where, where I'm wrong. But I, I also do think it's important and um, and good to see lots of people sort of coming together and joining up um, to make this statement of, of why it's important. And, and hopefully, whether or not he is pardoned, that that, that energy and that commitment um, carries through into, into other things that are useful and important. So, um, thank you guys for, for joining the podcast. Thank you for running this campaign and, and for, for doing what you're doing, uh, and, and trying to make positive change in the world. So, uh, we'll, we'll have you guys back on, on various topics, uh, over in the future, I am sure. So thanks for, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Mike. Anytime. All right. Bye guys. To grab a shovel and think of the tap. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get. To grab a shovel and think of the tap. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get.